All right, here we go. Well, let's do it. <clears throat> You're listening to the OK's Fisher Podcast, part of the OK's Podcast Network, featuring your hosts, Matt Strine and Greg Tubbs. Hey there, welcome back to the OKS Fisher Podcast, coming at you live from the studio, somewhat live, right? You are yeah, alive. I'm alive, you're alive, right? Yeah, we're we're all alive, we're alive in the studio, alive in the studio. And, and we're recording it live to ourselves, so it's kind of like it's live. But it's right? not, slight delay by a few days, it's yeah. all good. Yeah. I mean, you're hearing us. That's all that matters. Yeah. And when you wake up at, we'll say, 1230 in the morning and (laughs) you're on the water by 233 o'clock a couple days in a row, it tends to take a toll on you. Does it not? Yes. Oh, yeah. I woke up without the alarms to get up and go fishing today for work and realized I can still sleep for another six hours. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I still woke up feeling a bit tired for whatever reason, but oh, ditto. We, we did we did a little marathon fishing. That's for sure. Uh, Salmonarama, you know, we're 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 putting a lot of effort into it. More effort than reward that we're getting back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got meat in the cooler. We did get meat in the cooler, and you know what? On any other day, aside from a tournament like this, that that's a pretty pretty awesome feet you know to go out there no intel really other than we fished a few weeks ago luckily some of that cold water stayed in some of it a lot of it dispersed and went further in um yeah which was strange we'll talk about that in a little bit yeah so um i do notice in tournaments i fished quite a few and musky tournaments especially i know we're talking salmon today yes but musky tournaments especially when you hook a giant bass on a musky lure in a musky tournament you're kind of like dang yeah. That wasn't a muskie, as you throw an eight-pound bass back without taking a picture. Right. <laughs> so we you got to take the the good with the tournament style of fishing. And we had a couple of great days on the water. <clears throat> Not tournament great, but great days of fishing. Yeah, for a couple of uh, OKS guys that don't get out, you know, maybe then more than a handful of times a year, especially on the big pond. I mean, I've had years where I get a dozen times out and really get dialed in and locked on. Uh, this is not one of those years, unfortunately. It's just it's the way it is. When you're involved with uh, things like we are, you just don't have the time. But we made the best of it. You know, we didn't we didn't overextend ourselves by going eight nine miles offshore to chase chase the the, the cooler coolers full of you know coho and rainbow and and uh, uh, lake trout. That's what that's not what we were after. We were after. We still are. We're still in the hunt because the tournament goes. Salmonarama goes a full week. So it, I believe it ends at noon on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So this upcoming Sunday. And uh, biggest fish is going to win it. Not a cooler full of fish. Not unless you're in one of the little little events that are in that, that tournament, which they pretty much wrap up during the first weekend of, of that event. Um, but for Salmonarama as a whole, a 31.6 pounder, I believe, is what's winning it right now. 31.6 or 31.9. 31.9, I think, got ousted either today or yesterday. So, Yeah. 
I think it was yesterday. So out of Washington Island, which is up in Door County, uh, right by Death's Door, it's uh, it's the land of giant salmon on our <laughs> side of the pond here. Um, how about you explain a little bit what Salmonorama is, how big of a tournament it is, um, where it stretches, where you can fish for it, just to give people who aren't 100% sure what we're talking about? Sure. So, I don't know. Pardon me for not giving you all the details. <laughs> <laughs> so, Salmonorama is a Lake Michigan-wide tournament. Um, it Pretty much, there's weigh-in ports all the way up the Wisconsin side and all the way up the Michigan side. I don't believe there's any in Indiana, and I don't believe there's any in, in Illinois that has probably something to do with their gambling laws, I want to say. Could but be. I, I could be wrong, but I don't don't hold me to it. But either way, it's, it's Lake Michigan-wide. It goes for a full week. Uh, first place goes to the heaviest fish, whether it's caught from shore, a kayak, or a boat. And boat meaning a charter boat, a sailboat, a little boat like we're clunking around in. Doesn't matter. And there are separate divisions for those categories as well. Um, the biggest king on the first, I think it was the first day or two days, was caught right from shore, right down in Racine. A mm-hmm. uh, 26-pounder, we'll say, 26, 27-pounder. That's a nice fish. Um, we've caught fish that big out of the boat. And this year there aren't a ton of them coming in. Uh, you know, over the rails of some of these boats. Not like there has been in years past. It's just a different year. But it started off as a, a guy from shore is doing really well. Um, kayak division guy, I, I believe the guy that won Salmonorama last year, I haven't looked lately on the app, but I think he was in first place. He was in first place as of yesterday still uh, with the kayak with a 22-pounder, but he won it with a 35-pounder last year yeah that's crazy to hook into something that big yeah with a kayak with a kayak that's commendable you know yeah all the way around you're talking about a 42 inch behemoth 42 or better uh, lengthwise and 35 pounds of meat cake that's pretty Uh, awesome you probably pulled him halfway to michigan you could have (laughs) just put a bridle in his mouth and let him pull (laughs) (laughs) but the first place winner wins twenty grand. Right, I mean it's pretty pretty cool pot to win for the heaviest fish, and most of the time it's king salmon. Some years it's been brown trout, some years it's been lake trout. Um, we've had you know ups and downs in the fishery for for kings. They're trying to manage it, but uh, it's been a little bit of a struggle with all the <coughs> wild production fish that are coming out of Michigan. You know our or even out of Lake uh, Lake Huron, you know some of the tributaries that feed into Lake Huron or out of them. Uh, it's uh, those fish somehow found a way to spawn. They found clean enough waters way up north, probably on the Canada side, and they make their tour around the lake and get big. They get real mm-hmm. big. They were actually caught. Several non-stockers. Yeah, actually, I believe all of them had their adipose fin. And if you're wondering what fin that is, that's the little flipper fin between the dorsal fin and the tail fin. It's a tiny little flipper fin that's on their back right before the tail. Um, and the stocked fish don't have those. Nope, they clip them when they're babies. So, and they even, for the longest time, I don't know if they still are, but I, 
I believe they are. Uh, they were even putting uh, chips in the nose, just injecting a tiny little chip, and they could find it with a detector. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the deal with with the king fishery and and the, the tournament. I kind of, I don't think I gave you every detail, but I think you, everybody will get the gist of it. Mm-hmm. No, that's good because I mean, you hear salmon rama, hard yeah. to pronounce, weird word. Yeah, you know, figure we let everybody know kind of what why we were fishing so heavily this weekend and coming up weekend here. So yeah, uh, fifty bucks a piece to enter. If you do a boat division, I think it's three seventy five to put together a crew and have a boat, and then do some of the other other little uh, side <clears throat> contests that they have, but. We just, each of us got a ticket, we run out of my boat, and you uh, you go out and you fish. You fish until you until you drop. <laughs> <laughs> we almost did. <laughs> and we almost did. Or, a little burnout we're setting in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's kind of salmon and ramen in a nutshell. It's a lot of fun. Um, oh, yeah. Get, to get a crew of buddies together and throw a boat together and get some, get some gear out there and uh, go cruise around the lake looking for salmon. I mean, it's not as glorious as jig fishing by any means, right? We'd all love yeah. to hook into just a, a diff- yeah, just a different style of fishing. That's that's what you got to do to cover water and and kind of figure out where they are, especially us coming in blind. Um, let's kind of let's jump into that for a minute. So we got out really early. I'm talking two hours before sunup, then started fishing about an hour and a half before sunup. Yeah, at least that. You know we. We kind of concentrated on where, where we kind of, or where we did find a pocket of cold water and where we had success a few weeks ago. So we sort of pre-fished it a little bit. Conditions hadn't changed, other than the wind had switched around a little bit. And we did get some rain. We did get a bunch. Of, we we got a pretty good amount of rain uh, the day before the tournament started. Correct. Yep. Yep. So. Who knows if that improved or made it worse? I I can't say for sure. I've caught kings in the rain. I've caught you know. In fact, the the biggest king we put on my boat in particular was in a rainstorm. So it's very possible. That's why you go. You go every chance you get. But, yeah, but it seems like definitely the we we noticed at least the first day and our little pre fishing day um, that the morning bite was key. The while everything was still dark, they were they were definitely feeding hot heavy. The bait was up high, the fish were up high, and we we kind of had some success. Like we had what first day two three fish in the boat before five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, actually, we had four in the box the first day. Uh, four nice teener kings, we'll say. Well, you know, right around the twelve to seventeen pound mark. Those were four nice fish. We got them up high. Um, Two on the 150 copper, and was it two? Yeah, two on 150, and two on the 200, I think. Yeah, we had all planer board bites. Yep, it was all planer board bites. So they were up, we'll say, the top 30 feet of water. And that's where the that's where the bait was, too, which we were picking up on a graph, yeah, which is also very important to pay attention to. Um, if you're looking for fish, you may not see the marks of fish on there, but if you see bait, there are fish around. Yeah. And that's what we were looking for every morning when we started going out. And what was crazy is we could actually see some of them zoom up right <clears throat> to the downrigger 
And, yep. you know, we had a few of them where they just knocked the bait right off the downrigger. They didn't stay pinned. Um, I think those were smaller fish. They just weren't really committal. We definitely noticed they were not chasing, at least in that shallower water bite, they weren't chasing um, They weren't chasing flasher flies positively. They, they'd come up, look at it, and go right back down. Yep. We weren't getting... And that could have been the shallow water we were into. Yeah, and my general rule is always not to run anything, any flashers and flies. It's almost too aggressive in that 60-foot or less just because you're kind of... It's a stealthy presentation you need to have. The water's clear. The fish could be laying on bottom, and if you run a, a clean spoon with not a lot of interference going on in the water, dipsy divers, they make noise. The flashers behind them make noise, the swishing noise. The downrigger cables sing, they make noise, you know, pulling the lead through the water, that makes noise. You get too much noise in the in the strike box, it, it may pique their interest, but then they might shy away. And I think we were definitely seeing that. So Yeah, I, I agree with that. So we we changed tactics and went to it's most guys will call it a cardinal sin. We put away all the dips all the dipsies and all the uh, uh well, we ran dipsies for a little bit yet. The first day yep. we did run. We'll, and all we caught on those are a couple of coho. Yep, we caught some small coho, <clears throat> which are tasty, but they weren't the fish we were looking for. No. Nope. Um, the board rods were the ones that were kind of, those were the ones that were going, were telling us, hey, you're going to get your kings on the boards. They're, it's a stealthy pre- presentation further away from the noise. And, you know, they that's what produced for us for our best king bites were that lighter line, either lead core or copper rods, you know, short coppers on planer boards further, further away from the boat. Now, when you say 150 and 200, tell the listeners what you're actually talking about. Yeah. So when you hear a guy talk about weighted steel or copper and weighted steel is not to be confused with wire, wire is usually on a dipsy rod, you know, there's wire dipsies and there's, braid dipsy rods or there's mono dipsy rods that's another category it's not what you asked but i'm just trying to clarify here <laughs> weighted steel is much easier to use for a guy just starting out to learn using copper um it doesn't twist up as easy and when you get things wrapped into it like a lead core it usually survives that tangle and mess where copper will not copper is not very forgiving it's a big pain in the butt. In fact, I highly recommend if you're just getting into doing this or trying to learn it, stick with lead core because it's inexpensive and it's not hard to work with and go with weighted steel. The weighted steel by Torpedo, Torpedo Tackle Company, um, is a great product. It works very well, uh, very easy to manage once you learn. There are a few little learning curve things like how to connect to it, but it's very possible and if i can do it i think anybody can (laughs) so that's the type of line you're running they do the steel is a little prone to backlash right off the get-go when you're letting stuff out yeah so anytime you're running any kind of wire line whether it's on a dipsy rod or a you know a board rod you know in this case weighted steel or copper you need to keep your your spool tension just tight enough so if you were to pull on it, I always tell people let it out with their clicker with the clicker on when you first get started, so you don't have that all that Pretty line cool. trying to re, yeah jumping off the spool. 
because that's when things get ugly and, you know, you're trying to get baits out quick, especially after we land one and we know we're in the hot spot, we're in the yep. zone, we want to get that bait back out there right away. Um, it's the hot bait, it's the right depth, and we're in we're in the fish. We want to get that back out as soon as we get that fish in. And if you're yanking on that thing without the clicker on, you're gonna you're prone to to backlash in the spool. So and those those are not easy backlashes to get. Oh, no, they're awful. Uh, I've I've come close to just <coughs> clipping it all off with, off the spool and throwing it away. <laughs> but uh, I've saved it many times. Uh, but one when I say one fifty or two hundred on the reel itself, it is. 150 feet or 200 feet or whatever, you get a guy that'll run a 160 or a 175 copper or steel or a 300. You don't want to reel the 300 in, by the way. I've done it before. It's not fun. No. Um, those, that is the line that is going out. That is the sinking line. It's a sinking line. So copper, steel, lead core, all three of those are a sinking line. They're a metered sinking line. So lead core is nice. It's it's metered by color. So every 10 yards is a color. That's 30 feet. So we ran a seven-color lead. We ran a five-color lead. We ran the 150 copper and the 200-weighted steel. And we ran a 250-weighted steel for a little while, too, and that one wasn't getting any bites. We got zero bites on that one. It was always the, the 200, the 150, or the seven-color. Yep, and the 250 when we were in shallow was dragon bottom. Yep, and then you then you start losing tackle, and we did. That was yep. our okayest fisher moment. As we 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 lost a little speed, we got hit in the nose with a wave. It was windy, and we made a turn. And those were the inside boards. They drooped. They caught the bottom, and we ended up busting line. You know, who knows what Volkswagen we hooked into the bottom, and uh, <laughs> it uh, we we ended up losing some tackle. But we did it. We had to play a rescue too with uh, the net and reel everything up and grab some planer boards. We and did. decided to float away too. We had to fire the big engine and uh, and go chase down the, the two floating planer boards that were bobbing in the wind. I will say that did help for a reset, though. It did. It put us. We back. caught three fish after that. We did. We we only got lucky and hooked into the one and held on to it the second day, and uh, the that was kind of our calling to turn around and go somewhere else. That's it. This is not the place. The lake well, told us where to go. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. But getting back to, you kind of asked what, what the, the copper was, and I was getting to it. We had a little shiny thing moment there. <laughs> squirrel. Yeah, squirrel. Uh, the 150 copper, um, there's some there's some books on, or there's some literature on it. I think uh, Blood Run, that's Blood Run stuff. So uh, Blood Run has a pretty good, archive of information about how 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 much line will get you down uh i figured that 150 puts us down about 20 to 25 feet that 200 put us down about 30 to 35 feet roughly give or take all i know is the 200's caught a lot of fish for me in the past it's continuing to catch fish the 150 does a great job in the dark when fish are willing to come up to the surface because it's dark i run we ran that big moonshine um Dancing anchovy spoon on there. That's a blue, blue and uh, white glow with the RV tape on it. Little black mm-hmm. dots all over it. That was a that was a stud spoon for us. I caught a lot of fish on that even a few years ago. That is when we lost to the briny deep, my friend. Yep, 
The old Volkswagen windshield wiper got a hold of that yes, one. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Um, but, yeah, it, once it got light out, that 150 shut down. We got no bites on that 150. It was all 200, or it was the downriggers, or the 7 color, because the 7 color, too, that gives you about 30 to 35 feet, depending on what lure you're running on it. If it's a tiny... And- and not only that, it drops it down that far, but the 200, you're that much farther away from the boat. Um, Actually, we figured it out. The 200 is about 10 feet shorter for the same depth. Than the 150 or the 7 color? The 7 color. Really? Yep. Interesting. Uh-huh. Did the math. I even had all my, my, my boots off, too, to figure that out, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> Had to use the wife's fingers and toes to count. That's right. That's right. So, so we did. We covered. You good on the planer boards? Yeah, I mean planer boards. They were. Uh, you know, they worked out great for us. They they are a little bit of work to set. They're not bad. I don't think they're that bad. No, they're not as it makes it. It makes it interesting when, as you're letting line out, you hook into a king and you think you're <laughs> snagged on bottom, and you kind of fight it with your hand for a little bit, like I did. Yeah, I watched you. You're like pulling on. I'm like, dude, just reel. No, I, I think I, I'm not sure. I don't. And then all of a sudden, it, zing, it took off. I'm like, that's that's not bottom. That's a king. And then the downrigger popped. That yep, was pretty awesome. The old daily double. A daily double. Uh, speaking of downriggers. What were we doing a little different this time around? Uh, I know you had wanted to implement some tactics for the tournament that are a little maybe unorthodox. Eh, I don't know. I mean, you read enough books and you, you pick up a few things. Uh, <laughs> Captain, <Books played>. Yeah, <laughs> Captain Dan Keating covers some of that stuff in in uh, in some of his books, uh, but just one trace and bottom. But then. I like to run a team of lures together. You know, typically on, on a pair of downriggers, one rigger will be with a flasher. And this is a small boat tactic. This isn't a charter boat tactic. Charter boats like to run big stuff on, on, on downriggers. I mean, a lot of guys will shake their head at this, but I'll run a down on one downrigger. I'll run a flasher fly combo, usually 10 feet off the ball. And then I'll tail gun it. I'll set the second downrigger just below it, maybe about five to 10 feet below it. And I'll run a spoon back, you know, 30, 40 feet behind the ball. So if a fish gets interested in what's on downrigger number one, which is the flasher fly, it's the, it's the one that catches, that's the attention getter. Fish comes zooming up, looks at it, follows it for a little bit and goes, eh, I don't think so. I don't really want that. He'll back off and he'll go discourage towards the bottom. Well, as the boat's pulling away and he's swimming off, that spoon is tail gunning not far behind, just below it, and all of a sudden he swims past and goes, oh, look, a snack, a straggler. And then he usually grabs a spoon, and it worked for us. Mm-hmm. It did work for us. It did. I don't. Did, we didn't have any on the flasher fly, though, did we? No, we had no, other than the two coho, we had nothing on a flasher fly. I, I was really shocked because pre-fishing, that was our stud bait, was a flasher fly. It was. Dragon Slayer, Slayer Flasher and a, a a green and aqua fly. Yep. And we also went lighter line on the downriggers, correct? We did. Yep, we did. And that seemed to help a little bit. Um, yeah, it, when we went shallower yet, we got rid of the Flasher fly and went 
two spoons, which again, to some is a cardinal sin. It's almost like we were brown trout fishing, you know, in the spring. We, that's how we would run for browns. The downriggers would each have spoons because browns typically aren't going to chase a flash or fly. Not to say they won't bite it, but they're usually plugs and ugly colored spoons. That's what they like. Mm-hmm. And usually smaller. They're not chasing mag spoons very often. Those are your, your smaller spoons. So we were basically running almost a brown trout spread with king colored baits, you know, green and chartreuse, um, ladder back stuff, things that kings like. You know, green dolphin was probably the primary color pattern, uh, a green frog spoon. You know, the chartreuse one with the black dots. Kings liked stuff with dots, so it was uh, it was king candy. You you call it a cardinal sin, but to me it it worked. So it can't be that big of a cardinal sin. But in the same breath, we were adapting to what we were experiencing out on the water. Right. We knew the flasher flies weren't working. We knew certain color spoons weren't working. We'd let them run for X Y Z amount of time, and if one spoon got hit twice. Of course, you're gonna switch the other spoon to that. You know, we we kind of made made changes as we went to adapt to what the fish were eating, and I think that was another key to our success. Yeah, don't be afraid to change. Even I mean, hell, we ran one downrigger, we got fouled up, and it's like I just put that bait on, but eh, I just don't feel right about it. It was the wrong choice. Then we mm-hmm. switched it, and it was the right choice. Fifteen minutes later, <laughs> but that's how but, it I mean, goes. That that's yep. That's how it goes. You just got to be willing to change, willing to adapt, willing to think outside the box sometimes. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing too is we were using our instruments. Like you talked earlier about using the graph. You find fish, you find bait, you find bait. Run your run, you know, run your GPS trail, and you can always turn around and go back on that trail. You run out of bait, you know, no more bait, nothing. It's the dead sea on the screen. Turn around, follow your trail back. You know, maybe those fish didn't like that angle. We were finding that, too. We were catching them more on an inward troll for a while there. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden that little bite died because maybe the currents changed a little bit or we were just not quite right on the mark on the trail we were in. On the out, all of a sudden that's when we picked up that double, you know? Yep, yep. So I think, too, too, the biggest thing is don't get frustrated. It's fishing. Yeah, Yeah, you can get a little frustrated, but make the best of it. You're still out there fishing. You're still out there trying to catch a fish. Don't let tournament pressures weigh on you. You're out there for, out there to catch fish. Yeah, ultimately. So, yeah, we spent yeah. money on tickets. It would be great to go weigh a fish, but I'm not going to not have fun. I'm not going to take it so seriously because that's what this tournament really is about, is about having fun and yeah. raising some money for a good cause to keep salmon and trout in the lake. Exactly. I think that's that's something big to take out of any tournament you fish. Whether you do great, be modest and humble about it. If you do bad, don't be a sore loser, man. Just have fun. Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest thing you can do. I've had, I mean, what got me into buying a ticket ever since then was my dad and I went out fishing one morning. Hold on, Greg. Are you going to tell the story to completion? Well, we'll try. <laughs> well, we're not in a boat, so it should yeah, work. <laughs> yeah. But every time I tell this story, it's. It, we had a fish on. We had to go a fish on, so which was <laughs> timely, I think. But no, we went out. A quick condensed version of the story is we went out 
uh, opening morning of Salmon Aram. I think it was back in 2016 or 2015. And it was 2016. 2016, went out there, did not buy a ticket. Dad didn't buy a ticket. You know, we get out. We're setting rods in the dark, weaving and darting through boats. It's mayhem outside the harbor. Everybody's on the radio yapping. They're losing fish, and we're just trying to get rods set. And I think I had one rod set, and it went off before I even <clears throat> got to the second rod to, to start paying out line and hook that one. Dad got to reel in his first, you know, Lake Michigan fish. It was pretty cool. It wasn't a monster, but it, it tasted good. Got that rod back out, went and got the seven-color rod in. That other rod went off again, handed Dad the rod. He fought it in. We threw that one in the box. It was a little bit bigger. Got that rod back out again, went to set the dipsy. The seven-color went off. I picked it up and it was a screamer. It just didn't stop. It ended up straightening the hooks on the on the spoon itself because I tightened the drag too much. And I was running a uh, a, breed, a braided uh, backer on them. I, I most of my rods I run braided backing because I don't feel like messing around and changing it all the time. But I I put too much heat to that fish and he straightened the hook. Got that rod back out. Got the dipsy set. Got one downrigger set, and the seven color went off again. Handed it to Dad. He fought in another fourteen pounder. I got the other downrigger in. We got the seven color back out. We were fishing. Boats started dissipating, and all of a sudden, we we figured out kind of where the fish were. We were marking them and bait, and just going on a di- diagonal pattern back and forth. We had our little racetrack track set up on on the gps i said see that dad just follow it we got a perfect circle every time we come through over here we pick up fish every time we come through this turn over here we pick up fish there we're doing something right let's just keep on it once you figure out a pattern a travel pattern with your boat with gps it works use it don't be afraid to turn and go back through and come come back again so we employed that 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 tactic and every time we'd pick up a fish going southwest and one coming back northeast and then when we make the turn to go southwest we'd always pick up another one or at least have a bite we ended up boxing a couple of 18 pounders then we had a fish hit that 200 the, the 200 steel rod and i fought it for 25 minutes i got it to the back of the boat it was giant huge head on it big tail and I thought my dad was going to have a heart attack right then and there. I did not have a very big net at the time. I had a walleye net. He took a swing at it. He hit it in the face. The treble hook was hanging out of its mouth, barely hooked. He snagged the net on the on the hook, got angry with it, and instead of you know rocking the net to try and get the fish in, he started jerking on it, and it ripped the hook out of the fish's mouth, and the fish got away. So... He was he was pretty bummed, pretty upset, and I just I said, "Man, I, I think I'm gonna puke." <laughs> that was that was giant. So, got that rod back off, out shook shook it off, you know, no big deal. I pulled one of the downrigger rods that wasn't firing, switched it to the Lucky J plug, uh, green the blue batter back J plug, and uh, I sent it down. I think it was down five minutes, and all of a sudden it it popped. And it didn't pop and go up. It just went straight down. 
Which is a sign of a big one. Which is usually a sign of a big one. Big king. Um, fought it. Got it up to the boat. I said, all right, I'll be netting this one. You just keep the boat straight. So I, I tell Dad which direction to turn. He turned one way, the fish would go the other way. He turned back the other way. You know, back and forth, back and forth. That fish was hooked perfectly, like, way back in the throat. So it was like a windsock barrel rolling back there. It was pretty much dead by the time I got it up and into the net. Pulled it up on deck, and it, it ended up weighing, like, 25 pounds. We didn't know that at the time, but it was it was big. big one of the biggest kings I ever caught. Throw it in the cooler. We're all excited. Make another pass. Pick up another 18-pounder. Make another pass in further. Picked up a rainbow, and I went. Wait a minute. I think we're. I think we're done. Looked in the cooler, counted them all up. I said, "Just keep that. Keep that thing in the net. I don't want it dying." Look in the cooler. We had ten fish already. That was number eleven. <laughs> Threw that one back, and I'm like, "We're done." Dad's like, "Well, what do we do now?" I said, "Well, we start picking gear, and we're we're heading back. We're done. It was nine o'clock. All done." <laughs> we were we were lines in the water and fishing by four and we were done by nine. And That's I, a heck of a day. And as we were picking, we had another another small king hit on on the five color. It was it was a great morning. So we we caught a dozen <laughs> fish and lost I don't know how many others and yeah whatever. But we went wheeling in. We get into the marina, and it's utter chaos because it's it's you know salmonarama. There's people running around trying to get fish weighed at the weigh station and people cleaning fish. And there was a lot of green fish, a lot, lot, lot of lake trout there, a lot of lake <laughs> trout, some brown trout, some coho, a couple of kings, nothing real big. And here comes Dad and I, a couple of jamokes, don't really, you know, we're weekend warriors at best. Come in, and my dad just made the comment, man, this is a heavy cooler. <laughs> yeah, it is. So we come in and just kind of wait our turn, wait in line. We get up to the, finally get up to the cutting table, set our stuff down. And the guy, one guy just kind of peels off. He looks, he goes, how'd you guys do? We didn't do where the shit, you know? So he opens my cooler. He, the guy didn't even ask to, to just look in my cooler. He just opens my cooler. Holy shit. Hey, Larry, look at the size of this son of a bitch. That's the freaking tournament winner right there. I'm like, tournament winner? Yeah, you're in the tournament, right? Um... Don't tell me you didn't buy a ticket. No, I didn't buy a ticket. Oh, oh you'd be in the money right now. Well, we got to see how much it weighs. It ended up weighing twenty four eight on on the scale at the at the cutting station. You know, so mm-hmm. I don't know how accurate it was, but it was heavy. Oh, you should bring it over the table and get it weighed. I said, ah, I'm not even in the tournament, so I'm not going to bother. You know, this is close enough. He's like, oh, that that scale's like a half pound light, you know. I, I bet that fish is heavier. I'm like, well, twenty five pounder it is. It's close enough. It's getting cut up. So we all round up in fishing stories, right? Anyways. Right. So, uh, we we go and uh, start cutting fish, and there's a guy over there, and he looks at his fish, and he looks at our fish. He grabs the shit off the table, throws it in the cooler, knife and all, and just storms <laughs> off, like. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why you're pissed. We had all silver fish in our cooler. A two-man limit, 10 fish. That's a lot of fish to cut. Oh, yeah. Then five hours of fishing. That's crazy. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. 
So now you've heard the story. To completion. <laughs> to completion. <laughs> I did hear I hear some I heard some drag, you know, peeling off behind me, but yeah. I'm in my basement, so I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh but I've had other good mornings out there too. I mean took took a guy that had never been out and caught, you know, biggest fish I've ever put on my boat was just shy of twenty eight pounds. That's a monster. Yeah. Giant female, giant hen, salmon, king salmon. Uh, we were on the leaderboard. I believe that was in 2018. We went on. We got on the leaderboard for, I think we're the top ten for about four hours at most, <laughs> and made it down into like the top thirty by the end of the weekend. That was that year. There was a lot of big kings caught. So, uh, but it's what's fun about it. You know, you get out there, and people are are moving and shaking and they're figuring out what works and you hear about what works and what doesn't. And you can kind of adjust with that. If you like talking to people and people are willing to share, um, if not, you're out there giving it all you got and, and trying different things. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I think we were close to figuring something out, but those fish were pretty difficult. I think we needed a new area. I think that area had been pressured pretty good. Yep. Then it's uh yeah we saw a lot of boats in that area but we still I mean we still pulled them out uh, we probably would have had to burn some fuel and make a big run which yeah. Yeah. it's hard to leave fish to find fish yeah even though we were onesie twosie in them but yeah but but king fishing can be that way when you're mm-hmm. when you're targeting kings specifically um, that's how it is it's like chasing mature bucks yep onesie twosies you know but either way it was fun yeah you know. We were able to stay fluid, you know, keep moving around, keep trying different things in our core area, and we still got her done. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with it. We came home with some fish. Um, you don't realize what a 20-pound, even a 15-pound salmon puts out for meat. That's a lot of fillets. So, yeah, it's uh, some of those fillets we could barely get one in the bag. Yeah, <laughs> one-gallon <laughs> freezer bag in your tripling that thing up no it still doesn't fit (laughs) yeah man good stuff good eats good for the smoker good for the grill grind them up make salmon patties after with the leftover salmon you can't beat it it's good stuff yep that's the plan for me this weekend unless i get out on the boat again with you i gotta play that one by ear yeah but see give it one last hurrah and then i want to get out one more time in august at least out on the big pond and I really want to chase some coho in September up your way. I've had good luck up there in September on coho. I would like to do it again. Let's do it. Let's see if, it can, if we can make it happen. But otherwise, we got some muskies and some walleyes to catch. Yeah, we got some trips coming up here too. So Yep, we got to figure it out. Yeah, we'll be talking tactics on those. I like it. Same. Yeah. It's a solid sort of a plan. Yeah. It's fluid. <laughs> it's exactly. It's fluid. <laughs> it's a it's a firm maybe. <laughs> a firm maybe. We're going to figure it out. One of these plenty days. Time, plenty of time left to fish. We'll be seeing what happened to spring and part of fall and summer what happened to it we'll be saying that in november exactly (laughs) well 
Until next time. Keep your stick on the ice. I can't use that one, can I? No, I can't. No. What do you got? Keep your drag set right. There you go. Set the drag right, would you? (laughs) See you next week. See ya.